The search continues for one of two Air Force pilots who crashed off the coast of Pingdong on Monday. The missing pilot, Captain Pang Yingchun, was flying an F-5E that apparently collided with another F-5E during a training exercise. The pilot of the second jet, First Lieutenant Luo Shanghua, was found unconscious in the ocean and later found pronounced dead. Speaking at a groundbreaking ceremony in Taipei, President Tsai Ing-wen expressed condolences to the family of the pilot who died in the line of duty. She says she'd asked the defense ministry to do all it could to recover the airmen still missing. Tri-Service General Hospital's Songshan branch broke ground on a new building on Tuesday. President Tsai did the honors for the 11-story project, which will be dedicated to aviation medicine and flight safety. But in the wake of a tragic fighter jet collision the day before, President Tsai was in a somber mood. Very regrettably, two F-5E fighter jets collided yesterday off the coast of Pingdong's Mudan Township. On my behalf, Minister Chiu Guozheng went to Taidong this morning to pay his respects to the bereaved. He also oversaw the ongoing search for the missing airmen. I have instructed the Ministry of National Defense to do everything in its power to find the pilot and to clarify the cause of the incident. I also want to express my deepest condolences to the family of the airmen who died in the line of duty. This incident is a tragedy, but our service members will continue to hold fast to their posts. A retired Air Force officer, Veteran Affairs Council Chief Feng Shiquan expressed dismay when speaking to reporters about the crash. We don't know if we will recover him, but we still have to try. My heart is very heavy, but I want everyone to know that flight accidents are unavoidable. We have to try our best to prevent them. I think the Air Force has made the best possible preparations, but there are weather factors and human factors, so these things can happen. I ask all the people of this country to remember the service and sacrifice of our airmen. Our national defense depends on the Air Force. We need to work together. Speaking on the cause of the crash, a defense official said preliminary findings point to a mid-air collision. They were ordered to exchange positions during the change information. No radio calls were heard. Units 1 and 3 are suspected of having collided. The collision was not seen when it occurred, but there was a visual on the debris in the air. In addition, an ejection seat was seen coming out of the plane. Therefore, it's been judged that there was a mid-air collision. The Ministry of National Defense has grounded all F-5 fighter jets for inspections. The latest accident is the fourth on record involving an F-5E, which has claimed the lives of seven pilots. After the death of Captain Zhu Guanmong last year, the pilot's mother said the F-5E was known to be unsafe, and she had slammed the Air Force for having her son fly the jet. Her criticism, which was widely picked up by national media, has resurfaced in the wake of yet another accident involving the plane. The AstraZeneca vaccine rollout continues across the country. Officials say 1,578 people were vaccinated on Monday, the first day of the program. No major side effects have been reported so far. In related news, AstraZeneca has released the results of a new U.S. trial on its vaccine, which found no increased risk of blood clots after inoculation. The fresh data also shows that the vaccine has a 100% efficacy rate at preventing severe disease and hospitalization. It's day two of COVID vaccinations in Taiwan. Linko's Chang'e Memorial Hospital, which administered 150 shots on Monday, administered 400 more on Tuesday. I felt a sting, just like with any other injection. I didn't feel anything special. It felt just like the flu shots we get every year. 
those who don't want to get the vaccine might see us getting our shots. The media reported on this a lot yesterday, so everyone may be more willing to get vaccinated. A few healthcare workers developed a fever after getting the AstraZeneca shot. Our hospital has administered the vaccine to around 100 employees. They've mostly responded well without any major side effects. A few people developed a fever or some pain, but it hasn't affected the daily work. The main concern surrounding the AstraZeneca vaccine is whether it causes blood clots. According to AstraZeneca's trials in the U.S., the vaccine offers protection to all age groups and is 79 percent effective at preventing COVID-19 symptoms. The company also says the vaccine offers 100 percent protection against severe or critical disease and hospitalization. AstraZeneca says the Independent Data Safety Monitoring Board found no increased risk of thrombosis among participants that had received the vaccine. Clinical trials have their limitations. In phase 3 clinical trials, say you get 20,000 participants. If the side effects have less than a 1 in 10,000 chance of developing, you might not see that in phase 3 clinical trials. What we are most concerned about is severe side effects that have less than a 1 in 10,000 chance of appearing. Meanwhile, trials are ongoing for domestic vaccines. Medigen and United Biomedical are in Phase 2 testing. If all goes smoothly and the vaccines reach Phase 3, emergency use authorization could be granted as early as June or July, enabling mass production. Those vaccines would be less competitive internationally. They would only be able to sell in Taiwan. It wouldn't be easy to sell them abroad. After all, other companies have already completed Phase 3, and the data is very clear. Our vaccines would only have completed phase two at that point, and we would have only tested on several thousand people, whereas other companies have already tested them on tens of thousands. Many governments would rather buy vaccines that have completed phase three clinical trials. Local vaccine makers are still looking for people aged 65 and older to participate in phase two trials. They've put out a call for volunteers willing to help get domestic vaccines made as early as June. Well, missing travel? There's an island escape awaiting you in Tainan. The Yuguang Island Art Festival, which takes place on the eponymous island, will open this Saturday with art installations set up along its stunning natural landscapes. The festival is designed to be a space of fresh air, reflection and refuge. And mark your calendars. Tainan will also host its highly anticipated Yuejing Lantern Festival from June 26 to July 18th. Due to a cluster infection at Taoyuan General Hospital, the Yuejing Lantern Festival was called off just weeks before its scheduled launch in February. Now with the outbreak contained, the local Cultural Affairs Bureau says it's back on. The festival will open June 26th. At that point, the situation with COVID will be better. Whether we're talking vaccine administration or the weather, the variables will be more suitable for this event. Tainan's Cultural Affairs Bureau says the 2021 Yuejing Lantern Festival will be themed Magic Moment, evoking the beauty of a photographer's golden hour and the moonlit landscape of Yuejing Port. Meanwhile, preparations are underway for the Yuguang Island Art Festival, which opens on March 27th. In this edition, the festival will combine local natural and artistic landscapes with art installations. Organizers have designed the festival to be a space for healing and reflection. The pandemic has spread unease all over. We're very fortunate in Tainan to have such a beautiful secret refuge. 
This year's theme is the Island of Rest. 13 artists were invited to set up installations, creating a visual feast for the community during difficult times brought by the pandemic. Motorbikes have a tough image, but in fact, it's a leisure pursuit for all ages, as proven by a group of septuagenarians. A party of older adults is right now on a motorbike tour around the country. Over 10 days, they hope to make it uh, right around the island. We caught up with them in Taidong. Dozens of bikers roll into the square, all in matching high-visibility gear, sunglasses and gloves. But these are no normal Hells Angels. These senior citizens grin as they take a break from their 10-day charity-sponsored bike tour. They set out on Sunday from the West Coast, taking the South Link Highway to Taidong. Not an easy route. I'll remember this the whole of my life. If I'm up to it, I'll come and do it again. Everyone's bursting with life and vigor. The average age of these 28 bikers is 72. They set out for their round-the-island tour from Taichung on March 18th on a 1,180-kilometer anti-clockwise route. They don't have any experience of riding for such a long time. I think it's maybe because they're together, so they are all bursting with energy. This weekend, one rider's daughter came all the way to Taidong to celebrate his birthday with the group. This trip is not one to be forgotten in a hurry. Taiwan's first batch of COVID vaccines is expected to go quick, lasting until May at the latest. With so much uncertainty about shipments, officials hope a domestically developed vaccine will be ready to administer by this summer. So far, both domestic candidates are in phase two trials. In both trials, there's a shortage of subjects aged 65 and above. Domestic vaccines could be Taiwan's fastest route to herd immunity. At present, Medigen and United Biomedical are undergoing phase two trials. So far, most of the recruits are based in northern Taiwan. Every day, about 100 people come to Taipei Medical University's Joint Clinical Research Center for a shot or a follow-up. They told me all about the procedure and asked if I had any questions. The medical staff gave me very detailed explanations. That gave me some peace of mind. Here's how the trials are progressing. Medigen and United Biomedical have already recruited enough participants in the 18 to 64 age group, but both still need more subjects aged 65 and over. Medigen is closest to its target, needing just about 100 more people to reach 740. Medigen expects to reach this goal by the end of March. United Biomedical needs another 770 older adults. As of Tuesday, it only has 124 subjects, meaning there is still a long way to go. The screening removes participants with some liver and kidney conditions, so there is a higher chance for older adults to be screened out. They need to screen more people, so it's harder for them to meet the target. Meanwhile, experts say that local vaccines won't be able to compete with foreign brands on the international market until they pass phase three clinical trials. The World Health Organization is compiling an index of the protection offered by each manufacturer's vaccine. If in the future Taiwan's domestically developed vaccines meet those protection standards or exceeds them, other countries might accept them as having the same protective effect. Taiwan has purchased a total of 10 million AstraZeneca vaccine doses, but it's unclear when future shipments will arrive. This first batch of AZ vaccines is expected to be used up by May. Officials hope that not long afterward, local vaccines will be able to step in. 
There's still no end in sight for Taiwan's most severe drought in 56 years. Water levels at 10 reservoirs are down to just 10% capacity. Xinzhu's second Baoshan Reservoir is now at 8.8%. If the situation worsens, rationing will tighten drastically. In regions placed under a red alert, water supplies will be cut off entirely two days every week on a rotating basis. Uh, Economics Minister Wang Meihua said Tuesday that the government is preparing for the worst-case scenario. Premier Susan Sang says rotating water cuts would have been instituted long ago if his team had not taken early action against the drought. The premier urged the public to conserve water to weather the crisis. Illegal logging is a serious issue in Taiwan, but conviction rates remain low. Now the Ministry of Justice's Investigation Bureau is using the DNA of the trees themselves to catch culprits. By collecting samples of cedar trees from across the country, they can prove exactly where a piece of timber was cut down, making it hard for illegal loggers to get through loopholes. After a long period of gathering evidence, investigators burst in on illegal logging activities and catch the perpetrators red-handed. But not every case is so smooth. If they're not caught in the act, it's difficult to get a successful conviction. Four years ago, the Investigation Bureau proposed a new identification platform for the Ministry of Justice. Now, by comparing the DNA of timber with samples in a database, convictions are easier. It's very helpful. In the past, many illegal loggers would have various stories to defend themselves if they were investigated. Since we established this DNA database, we can compare them. The Investigation and Forestry Bureaus have worked closely together to collect samples from forests and then analyze their DNA in a lab. From 40,000 samples, they created a database of almost 2,000 points. Our forests cover such a large area, and because of the topography of the mountains, it's hard for investigators to go up there and patrol for long periods. So that's why we thought perhaps we would have to use these technological methods to verify our evidence. The DNA database is like a cedar identification system. Prosecutors hope it will stop loggers from getting through loopholes and increase conviction rates. The research behind the database has also drawn interest from international academia. Forensic analysts have identified a probable cause for death of death for the pilot who died in Monday's F-5E jet crash. According to their preliminary findings, First Lieutenant Lo Shanghua died from a head injury sustained when his ejection seat was activated. Speaking to lawmakers on Tuesday, Premier Su Zhenchang said the Air Force already had plans to replace the ejection seats of its entire FI fleet. He said a budget of 600 million NT had been earmarked and could be dispersed immediately. Su said it is true that the F-5E is an older aircraft. He emphasized that it will be phased out at an appropriate time. Currently, Taiwan's entire F-5 fleet is grounded for safety inspections. Let's take a look now at how farmers are responding to the intense drought. In Yuanli Township in Miaoli, farmers spoke to us about how their irrigation methods and choice of crops planted have to adapt to the lack of water. With careful choices, farmers can drastically reduce their water usage as well as reducing the need for imports of essential crops. A steady drip, drip, drip from a black plastic pipe. It looks like a leak, but it's actually watering the soil. The system is carefully designed to maximize limited water and keep the crops happy. 
It drips about 1.6 liters of water an hour. I turn it on for about 2 to 3 minutes and every 15 minutes. It just needs to keep the soil damp enough. The famous drip irrigation system comes from Israel, where it helped turn parts of the arid desert into a fertile paradise. Now young farmers in Yuanling Township, Miali, are turning to the technique. Over this 0.6-hectare orchard, it saves 10 tons of water a day compared to traditional methods. And besides updated irrigation, the drought is also leading farmers to turn to new crops, such as flint corn. Basically, flint corn doesn't need much water. Two days after we planted it, there was rain. Now we're getting ready to wait for it to sprout. Flint corn is mainly used as poultry feed. Every year, Taiwan imports 5 million tons of the crop. But with drought pushing farmers to rethink their planting, it's an obvious choice to start growing flint at home. Pineapple fever has spread to the railways. The restaurant at Chiju Station in Geelong has developed a special pineapple bento box for train passengers. After a one-month trial, the pineapple bento passed the test. They're now on sale up and down the country. A pork shoulder bento box is a railway staple, but with fruit? These boxes have sweet and sour fried pineapple sauce on top, and they're selling like hotcakes. Weeks ago, Taiwan Railways Administration released pineapple bento at three stations in a gesture of support for Taiwanese farming. Now they're available at Taipei Main Station in Taichung as well. These bentos use up 270 kilograms of pineapple a month. This bento box was made to support Taiwan's pineapple. The Chidu Station restaurant developed this special bento. Right now, we use 9 kilograms of pineapple a day. Taiwan Railways isn't the only one with new bentos in town. The MRT is offering a fresh-on-the-metro brand available at Taipei Main Station. Its eight flavors are all the rage, although you have to book your box in advance. On day one, over 50 boxes were pre-ordered. Taiwan's farmers need all the support they can get, but with so many bentos on offer just at Taipei Main Station, we're spoiled for choice.